Hey, y'all. Grant, there's probably only about one of you out there that's actually listening to me. But you know what? I'm going to enjoy talking to you, my audience of one. Iron Man Teacher here with my second podcast installment. Uh, this one I'm calling Overstimulation Theory. Um, you know what? The words simple, basic, or plain are not dirty words. Sometimes stripping back concepts, ideas, assignments, activities, or responsibilities to their most basic element uh, can be a rewarding experience, sometimes more so than when completed with a ton of flash and glitz. In my triathlon world, you know, whether training or racing, I've experienced both the simple and the flash. Uh, let me explain. While racing or training, uh, for example, I know my optimal heart rate is about 136 to 140 beats per minute. The more I can remain in that sweet spot or in that window, the more optimal my body will function and endure for longer periods of time. To keep track of this, whether I'm swimming, uh, biking, or running, I constantly look to my smartwatch to see where my heart rate resides. Uh, while my heart rate doesn't usually get this high while swimming, except in one time in the San Francisco Bay, but that was just crazy uh, in general. It seems that strong currents, freezing water, and wondering what that shadow is swimming below me caused my uh, heart rate to spike a little bit. Who knew? Or in the case of the bike, I know that I try to keep my pedal revolutions between 100 and 115 uh, revolutions per minute, or RPM. Uh, yes, I have an app that keeps track of that as well. However, there comes a point to which I am overstimulated with information, when all I really need to do is keep moving forward in the water or on land. In fact, some of my most successful and enjoyable races or even trainings have been when I say screw it to all the flash and just swim, bike, and run. I let go and just do what nature has allowed me to do since childhood, swim in the water, ride a bike, and run. Honestly, it's really liberating to not be looking at a smartwatch every minute or so while I'm biking or running to see my current heart rate or pace. I just do what I do and enjoy the beauty that surrounds me. Let's call it a mental vacation. Now, I know that data and information are often the keys to improvement, and there are times when I use my gizmos. Uh, I'm just saying that simple or basic can be beautiful and rejuvenating as well. To look at how this correlates with my life in education, let's do a little activity. Uh, pretend you and I are watching a football game and the quarterback is dropping back to pass. As the viewer, where's your focus on this particular play? While many are probably watching the quarterback or the opposing pass rush, I happen to be looking downfield, watching the multiple pass routes working in conjunction to create an open passing window. In essence, I don't watch where the ball is, I focus on where I think it may go. This is just a simple analogy of where I believe the educational uh, pendulum may be going sooner than many think. Too much of anything, water, exercise, sugar, Baywatch episodes, uh, or whatever, is not a good thing and can have negative effects. And my friends, or actually friend if there's only one of you out there listening, this is where I think we may be headed with technology and education. Now don't get me wrong, there are certainly some tech applications that I'm a huge fan of. A few of my favorites are Flipgrid, Microsoft OneNote, and Skype, especially with all the work Microsoft has done with inclusion, but that's uh, a chapter in my book, uh, so we won't get into too much of that. Heck, I even travel the country teaching educators and administrators how to leverage and use some of these technologies. However, too much of anything, except maybe pictures of puppies, they're just damn cute, is not necessarily good. However, most importantly, I make a point when I present to remind the audience that no technology will ever be able to take the place of developing true relationships between the teacher and the student. It's these relationships with you, their teacher and mentor, that they'll remember years beyond, not a particular assignment with the latest gizmo. 
You see, just as I could be enticed to become too involved in my gadgets while training, I believe that my students, and possibly yours, uh, are overstimulated. They are on 24-7, and that is quite a burden to bear. This can lead to what I refer to as paralysis by overanalysis. Sometimes, the more I try to let technology make things perfect, my performance actually begins to suffer from thinking too much. With our students, their relations have become too inanimate and not the real thing. What has this led to? Uh, well, let's take a little look. You see, the kids in front of me, and maybe you if you're a teacher or even you if you're a parent, uh, today are more anxiety-ridden than ever before. Uh, the New York Times actually published a phenomenal piece on this dilemma titled, Why Are More American Teenagers Than Ever Suffering From Severe Anxiety? Uh, to begin, uh, it's important to remember that anxiety is the most common mental health disorder in the U.S. Uh, it affects nearly one-third of both adolescents and adults. And this is according to the National Institute of Mental Health. Anyway, in the New York Times piece, students reflected on how much social media affects you know, who they are and how they feel intrinsically about themselves. Uh, according to one student, uh, quotes, uh, he states, I don't think we realize how much it's affecting our moods and our personalities. He also states that, quote, social media is a tool, but it's become this thing that we can't live without, but it's making us crazy. Sadly, another student noted that, quote, in high school, I'd constantly be judging my self-worth online. Even more worrisome, another student shared uh, that he spent hours uh, on his phone at home or even at school saying, quote, uh, it was a way for me not to think about classes in college, not to have to talk to people. I don't know about you, uh, but I don't think that avoiding human contact and true relationships is a recipe for humanity's success. Uh, believe it or not, we are social creatures by nature. And I mean social as in truly face-to-face, -face, not screen-to-screen. -screen. Unfortunately, our students' new best friend seems to be the newest, flashiest new smartphone. A phenomenal uh, book I had read over the summer about the human brain's development by David Eagleman, I found one passage uh, very pertinent to this notion. Uh, it states, while growing up, uh, without an environment with emotional care and cognitive stimulation, the human brain cannot develop normally. Uh, and by cognitive stimulation, I don't believe this means playing Fortnite for eight hours or completing the next level of Candy Crush. Moderation has to be key. Nature, for example, can stimulate the brain in profound ways as well. So play Fortnite if you must, but don't make it your sole source of mental and emotional stimulation. And additionally, my friends, or friend, uh, with the advent of so many technologies that are assistive in nature, uh, they don't really allow us humans, who can be lazy at some times, uh, to have to actually work for an end result. Uh, if you don't believe me, uh, let's go back in a time machine about 25 years and go write a research paper on the history of the marshmallow or any topic you choose. Today, you simply get on your cool laptop, smartphone, iPad, and Google your topic, questions, etc., and your research is pretty much done. However, go back a while and you actually had to, all right, everyone gasp with me, go to a library and look up books or microfish film. Basically, you had to get off your butt. And honestly, to me, that was probably a good thing. By having things being made too easy for you, uh, it leads to one's weakened ability to truly have to work for things, to be patient, to have a sense of resilience, to have a true sense of accomplishment, and so on. These are all components of having inner strength and balance. Basically, with regards to education, and at least what I see in my own educational setting, I think there's a point when the kids know too much and are on too long. 
They feel they need to be on some form of technology more often than not. And that shouldn't be the case, at least in my opinion. With uh, many great advancements uh, at, that have their benefits, um, they also have some drawbacks. And as these advancements have increased, it seems uh, many of our students' uh, abilities to function and deal with life's highs and lows has weakened somewhat. Unfortunately, I believe many have lost uh, their true sense of self or identity, their sense of community, uh, since addiction in any of its forms, drugs, alcohol, technology, whatever it might be, is usually a pretty isolated experience and you kind of withdraw into your own little world, uh, which inhibits their ability to truly communicate and nurture relationships. With things being made so easy with such advancements, uh, many of our kids have lost their ability to cope with rejection, failure, and more so how to bounce back when the poop hits the fan, so to speak. Instead of dusting themselves off and bouncing back stronger or learning from, you know, whatever the setback might have been, oftentimes they implode or wait for someone to come save them. So let's go back to my football analogy and where do I see this going? Well, I kind of see a boomerang effect where old school might become somewhat in vogue again. Schools will realize that children do not need to always be on a screen. They don't necessarily need to have one-to-one computer availability. Less human contact should not be the ultimate goal. Uh, They don't need every new educational application that comes down the pike. Schools, however, should vet what technologies coincide best with their school's culture and mission and look to provide adequate resources to meet such goals. Thereby, they can avoid the overwhelming feeling of trying to do it all, so to speak, or to hit upon everything that just seems to come out of uh, uh, the technical world uh, because it will become more than overwhelming and you'll have diminishing results. By focusing on specific and beneficial technologies and not everything, uh, they can attempt to provide a stronger focus on relationship building, communication skills, building resilience, accepting and learning from failure, and understanding uh, each other's differences. And all this, hopefully, will be done face-to-face, not via a screen. And I'm not talking about some fly-by-night presentation to the students. I'm talking about an entire semester or year-long class that is just as important as your math, science, language arts, or history courses. Uh, There's no doubt that technology needs to be a component of our students' education. It is vital for their future. It's not going anywhere. However, just as anything in life, it really needs to be moderated. Remember, too much of anything can have less than desirable effects. You know, so when people begin to maybe want some of their privacy back or when they begin to crave actual human contact, when they want true conversations with a real friend, not one of a thousand followers of whom they'll never meet on whatever form of social media you pick, I believe the humanities are going to come roaring back. And honestly, I think they're needed now more than I can ever recall. You know, is this belief of mine going to come to fruition? I have not a clue. But from what I see in the classroom and the world in general, uh, we must better control some of the glitz and flash and learn how to truly live, understand, and, and learn and love together again. Uh, when and if we do, we may feel as refreshed as I do when I dump all the gadgets during my training and racing. I feel truly free and, dare I say, alive, for lack of a better word. Keep the following example in mind. Imagine you are a child again, and at some point you get a toy you've been hoping for for a long, long time. The toy you get obviously requires batteries, so you immediately put them in and turn the toy on. After playing with it for a while and enjoying yourself, you set the toy down, but you forget to turn it off. The battery that brought your toy to life is going to die out much quicker because it didn't have the opportunity to turn off for a bit. 
As I leave you, I'd like to recall the words of Jeff Goldblum's character, Dr. Ian Malcolm from Jurassic Park, who stated in reference to having the DNA technology to revive the cuddly little T-Rex and Velociraptor. Quote, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to think if they should.